Hey everyone, Dr. Bernard here. This is an audio exclusive episode of the podcast because I don't reasonably think that YouTube would allow some of the images described here. There's no content warning. I mean, everyone poops, so I might describe some of that, but showing it would be on a different level. This coincides with the Chubby Emu Fiber Supplement video, and because of that, there is a video on the Heme Review YouTube channel that talks more about that supplement, which is different from this episode. Both are linked in the show notes, so I'm going to roll the sponsor now so that the rest of the episode is uninterrupted. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. DS is a 79-year-old woman presenting to the emergency room, unconscious. Her caretaker tells the admitting nurse that over the last several days, nursing home staff had suspected that she had been experiencing severe abdominal pain that wouldn't resolve after repeated use of an enema. DS had a past medical history of depression, anxiety, type 2 diabetes, multi-infarct dementia, and Alzheimer's disease. She had been a resident of the nursing home for three years, but over the last year, her speech had become increasingly limited to the point where her last psychiatric evaluation said that she was unable to complete sentences. In the last six months, DS's dementia had progressed to the point where she was incontinent of bowel and bladder every activity of daily life she needed assistance. In the past three weeks, nursing home staff thought that DS may have been suffering from abdominal pain that seemed to worsen every day. They tried enemas and it seemed to work okay, but as the days passed, they noticed that DS would moan and yell out in pain, pointing to what appeared as the area of her body that was hurting. Sometimes it was her back, sometimes it was her abdomen. Without being able to elaborate anymore, and sometimes just not attempting to say anything or make any sounds, nursing home staff thought that she may have been okay after the bout of pain. About a week ago, her caretaker heard a loud thud in the room and found DS on the floor face down. She appeared to suffer some bruises and cuts to her face, arms, and legs, and appeared confused afterwards, mumbling words to herself. DS kept moaning and pointing to her back, trying to pat the area down before staring off into space. Two days before admission, DS was found in the bathroom on the floor in a pool of her own vomit. She was moaning and nursing staff thought to try a rectal examination where they determined a saline enema would be helpful as she had a small bowel movement in the hours afterwards. But then the staff noticed that her abdomen was distended. They described it as feeling hard. They found her in bed, unresponsive, as they called for 911, and she's brought to the emergency room, where we are now. In the emergency room, DS was unresponsive to everything except painful stimuli. Her heart rate was 125 beats per minute, respiratory rate 29, blood pressure 85 over 45, O2 sat 89 on room air, and she didn't have a fever. As additional tests were being conducted, DS began to code, and because a do not resuscitate order was in place, DS died 45 minutes after arriving. An autopsy was performed. An 11-centimeter rupture on the anterior wall of the distal sigmoid colon was found. This is the part of the large intestines that connects to the rectum. Anterior meaning that it happened at the front of her body. Her entire rectum was dilated and impacted with firm fecal matter. In the peritoneum, 
Inflammation was found as acute peritonitis was identified. There was fecal matter everywhere. And microscopic examination of the rupture showed necrosis. Gross and microscopic neuropathologic changes were observed in the brain consistent with Alzheimer's disease. And the cause of death was determined to be acute peritonitis from stercoral perforation of the sigmoid colon caused by fecal impaction of the rectosigmoid colon. So in general terms, she had fecal matter impacting by her rectum, and something associated with it caused a part of her colon nearby to perforate and leak fecal matter into her peritoneum. And the massive inflammation played a role in the end of DS's life. Because she had dementia and trouble speaking and couldn't take care of herself, she wasn't able to communicate her pain as her colon perforated and leaked its contents, causing peritonitis. The question is, why did the perforation happen? What was the cause of the impaction? And did it have anything to do with the enema that was administered a few days before? Stercoral perforation is usually fatal. I mean, think about it. You have fecal matter leaking out of the colon and into the peritoneum. Poop is not supposed to be floating around freely in the body. It's not supposed to be anywhere in the body except for inside the GI tract. The amount of gut bacteria and waste product from the feces are simply not supposed to be anywhere else in the body. The resulting inflammation and sepsis can create a life-threatening condition very quickly, which is why colon perforation is usually deadly. And the number of reported cases is the at least this many people died number, because what happens is many times patients might die from peritonitis, from perforation, but a surgery or autopsy are never done, meaning that the cause of death was never recorded. The ones that we have recorded did have that surgery or autopsy, so that number is indicative of at least this many people have died because of perforation. But the number can be much higher, and we'll never really know. But what we do know is that DS did have a perforation that could have resulted from fecal impaction in the rectosigmoid colon, or it could have been a result of enema use. How does fecal impaction cause perforation? Well, there's an impact. It causes pressure inside the lumen. That's the hole of the colon to increase. That should make sense. You have something in there blocking the path through. As the patient eats more and drinks more, that pressure is going to start to back up because eventually what the patient consumes will reach the site of impaction, causing that area to bulk up and swell. As that luminal pressure increases, it starts to exceed the capillary perfusion pressure in the bowel wall. This means that it stretches the wall of the colon to the point where its blood supply is effectively choked off. And if the colon is a large, smooth muscle, it needs a lot of blood supply to function. As the intraluminal pressure begins to overwhelm the capillary perfusion pressure, parts of the wall start to necrose and ulcerate, leading to perforation and could be consistent with the autopsy findings in DS. But how about the enema? Usually, saline enemas like a fleet appear to have a smaller incidence of perforation than a colonoscopy that would be done in the hospital. But since it's done at home, it would be harder to determine. You don't have to go too far into the rectum to get into an area that would be insensitive to pain. Thus, enema administration could injure healthy tissue if not done correctly. And not just any tissue, there's a chance it can get to the anterior wall of the rectum, the same side where DS's perforation was found. And so she may not have felt any pain from trauma from the enema, but also because she was largely nonverbal. She may not have been able to communicate that to nursing home staff. And also, perforation from an at-home enema can be more deadly than a colonoscopy because 
at least for the scope, the colon has been prepared beforehand with go lightly or something equivalent, while the enema is most likely being administered for the purpose of moving something out, meaning there would be fecal matter already in there, and if something were to leak out of it, it would be a lot of said something leaking out as compared to a colonoscopy. Many times when the enema is given, the nozzle's inserted to point anteriorly because there's no sense of pain, and that all explains why it's easy to cause damage in the area with the enema. So let's go a little further up on this chain. How should DS's constipation have been treated to begin with? As quote-unquote boring a topic as this is to some people in practice, bowel movements or the lack thereof can cause multiple problems in a hospital setting. In some cases, people are constipated for days and then they go to the emergency room only to take the biggest dump of their life on the stretcher. And then their heart suddenly stops. Why did their heart stop? Well, it's possible the Valsalva maneuver to push that stool out could have caused an arrhythmia due to the increase in intrathoracic pressure. Think about it, you're holding your breath and pushing against the base of your neck. But in the elderly, that Valsalva can also rupture an aneurysm causing a brain hemorrhage. There's multiple different kinds of things that can happen in this case. There's a couple of different kinds of medicines that can be used to treat constipation. We have stool softeners, most commonly docusate. Here in the U.S., they come as these little red liquid-filled capsules, and they work by drawing water into the stool by lowering surface tension. It's kind of like a soap, and so more water stays in the stool than the colon can reabsorb, which helps make it so that the stool is more malleable and not a hard, stiff mass. This makes docusate helpful for patients who have fissures or hemorrhoids. There's also bulk laxatives, which are psyllium husk, metamucil, methyl cellulose, or citrusel, and those act similarly to docusate in that they allow water to enter into the stool to help move things along. But the danger with these is that if the patient is not able to hydrate orally, you don't want to use these. These bulk laxatives need to be mixed with lots of water as they enter the body, otherwise they're going to create a large mass that doesn't break itself up when more water is applied. The resulting phytobazor that forms in the stomach can cause an impaction itself, entirely negating the reason why one would take them in the first place. They can actually become dangerous, and in someone like DS's case, a dementia patient who may not be able to hydrate themselves or even remember to hydrate themselves in the first place, this alone could have been the cause of DS's impaction. If someone's not able to eat, you probably shouldn't give them psyllium. Or if they have an NG tube in place, I mean, I would like to think that there's no one who would place that order, no one who would allow that order to happen, and there's no nurse who would administer that either, but medication errors happen in a perfect storm of events where something like that could happen theoretically, so you never know, I guess. There's also asthmatic laxatives. This is your polyethylene glycol, lactulose, sorbitol, milk of magnesia, and magcitrate. These work by increasing the secretion of water into the bowel, and the extra fluid induces a stretch reflex that causes the intestines to contract harder, moving things along. Taking too much of this can cause a problem of water imbalance, so electrolytes will be thrown off in that case. And if the patient has heart failure, the water and sodium problem that can happen after taking this could make things worse. The last category of laxatives is the stimulant laxative, bisicotyl, senna, and castor oil. These increase intestinal peristalsis by directly affecting the intestinal nerve plexus. It also increases secretion of water into the bowel. The thing with these is that they can also be abused. They can cause hypokalemia and all the associated problems that come with that. 
And also, if there's a really hard obstruction in the way of the intestines, that of a rigid body, in those cases, you wouldn't use a stimulant laxative because, well, something's really stuck in there. And getting the muscles to contract a little bit harder is probably not going to push things out. In DS's case, the best way to have treated her constipation early was probably the stool softener, as she probably wasn't chronically ill based on her past medical history, at least to the extent where docusate would have been a problem. The bulk laxative could have worked, that's psyllium, as it appears that she did have some kind of functional normal transit constipation, although with the dementia and changing shift of caretakers at the nursing home, it may have been hard to follow her hydration status, and that could have been the cause of her constipation in the first place. The dementia was a complicating factor in this because to the nursing staff, it was hard for them to recognize that she was in fact having abdominal pain severe enough to have been peritonitis. Had it been caught quicker and earlier, she may have lived a little bit longer. Really, it would have been hard for anyone to pick up how severe the pain was if she was not able to speak much, and only under close observation could it have been detected early. And also, a patient with dementia might be ignoring some level of pain as well, so what she was reporting may have been something really severe, or it may have been nothing at all. And finally, as to whether it was the fecal impaction or the enema that caused the perforation, well, the autopsy found that the perforation was at the sigmoid colon region proximal to the recto-sigmoid colon. So it's unlikely that the tip of the enema penetrated far up enough to have caused the perforation given where that perforation was found. That's not to say that it didn't contribute something, maybe it did, but the massive fecal impaction and stercoral ulceration leading to the perforation and acute peritonitis were the primary causes of death for DS. Thanks so much for listening. Take care of yourself and be well.